I don't believe that I could have been as successful with it had I not have had a bigger purpose to do it. If I was doing it for myself. It's just not going to have the same effect and I'm not going to do as well. But when there is a community behind me and yeah. expecting me to achieve this, you get a lot more momentum. You're listening to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, a podcast where I have conversations with inspirational people. My name is Chris, but my family calls me Christoph. My goal is to have as many conversations as possible with people who have forged their own path by pursuing their dreams, making them a reality, all the while emitting positivity and sharing this knowledge with others. I seek these people out and share this information with you, proving to the world that you can do what makes you happy and do what you want for a living while being a good human being. We'll talk about careers, but we'll also cover any story that inspires. Let's do this while helping each other. Thanks for listening. I'm happy you're here. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. This is conversation number 130, total episodes number 216. Thank you so much for being here. I super appreciate your time. I hope that I can provide value to you in this short 30-minute episode. I really mean that when I say that. And you know what? We talk about a lot of those things today in this episode with my guests. Like, It doesn't need to be a huge nudge. It can just be a small nudge to be able to change somebody's life. So I hope this 30-minute episode is that small nudge to be able to change your life or encourage the conversation with yourself or with somebody else. My guest today is William Cogan, and he is a badass, certified badass, actually so certified, some might say, that he is a Guinness World Record holder in something I, I just wouldn't want to do. So we talk about that early on, and we get into the thick of it and talking about the awesomeness of which his impact is in the world and his community where he lives now. He's a sergeant first class in the Army National Guard, and I really just had a great time talking to him. Remember, you can find this conversation and all the other contemplations on ChristophLewis.com forward slash podcast, and you can find me on Instagram or on any of your favorite podcast listening apps, and you can head over to YouTube. That would be awesome. YouTube's popping off, and it actually finally surpassed the audio downloads, so getting a lot of traction over there. Head over there and sub. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, you can watch all the podcasts on video, except for the contemplations. Those are all on audio. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. So without further ado, welcome to the Christoph Lewis podcast, Create Your Career. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, it's a blast. I've been looking forward to it. I love just chatting, man, already. Like before we started recording, we were like, we have almost the same birthday for our children. We have 11 month old each. And I think it's so cool to be able to like connect over that. Like having a first kid is just bonkers. She threw up like five, 10 minutes before we started recording. I'm like rushing, like trying to catch my breath. I was like, the dude I'm talking to is super in shape and I can't wait to talk about it, but like I'm huffing and puffing trying to regulate. So I appreciate you being here, man. It's awesome. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, honestly, like with a kid, <laughs> it's more like it's a whole different type of endurance because they don't <laughs> stop. <laughs> they don't. It's so, it, it's, I don't know. It's awesome. It's like, you think you, you know what life is and then you have a kid and then it's like completely different. You think you know what time management is and then you have a kid and it's completely different. It's like, it's constantly just like a new level of just, I don't know, of just of learning what the hell this life is really all about. So before we get any further, though, I'd love to hear more about you. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know you, um, tell us more about yourself. Yeah. So the quick elevator speech, if you will, yeah. is a uh, current Guinness World Record holder for fastest marathon with a 100 pound pack. Uh, I started a chapter of a, of a nonprofit 
because it was a 100% volunteer nonprofit, so it hit the things that I wanted. Uh, started a chapter, grew that into immense success to where it does uh, just over 200K a year now uh, and helps somewhere around five to 6,000 veterans every year. So uh, that's a big pillar of my life. And then I'm a E7 or Sergeant First Class uh, in the Wisconsin National Guard and just got back from Afghanistan in the last six or seven weeks. So wow. yeah, that's the uh, quick dude. elevator speech, I would say. I love that elevator speech. I need to refine mine. Yeah, dude, you're like... I was saying again, and I tell everybody this, and if you're a repeat listener of the podcast, you know I'm huge on this. I I, I say it kind of like this. My, my elevator speech for the podcast is I want to talk about awesome people that are doing awesome things, but one of my stipulations is always to talk to people that are not just doing those awesome things. Like I really want to talk about your rock and like the craziness of which that is and, and the organizations that you're affiliated with, but I always love talking about people that do things that are helping other people as they help themselves and as they're like just doing crazy, awesome things in the world. So you definitely hit the marker on all of that stuff. And that was one of the many reasons I wanted to talk to you. And then, and then you've been in Iraq twice and you said you just got back from Afghanistan. Do I have the Iraq correct deployments? Yeah. Okay, cool. Correct. Yeah. So that's why I figured I've been to for your, again, some people know this, but I've been to Afghanistan a few times, like three times. And, uh, some of the craziest times in my life as well. Again, like speaking about kids, I learned a lot about myself being a father, learned a lot about myself on those deployments, you know, and about the world around me. I mean, I would love to start off with asking like, what are some of the most interesting life lessons or just, it could be less than that, but life lessons that you learned while on deployments in such areas around the world? Yeah, I think that that's kind of what built the foundation for me to give back when I when I got home is you see these people that are are so less fortunate. The, the cool thing yeah. with the National Guard, if you if you hang around long enough, our deployments are so gapped. So unlike what you guys were doing when you were deploying, it's like deploy, come home for six months to play again. Yeah. Ours are years apart. So the Iraq that I remembered the first time was completely different than the Iraq that I remembered the second or that I experienced the second time. And one of the cool things is seeing their culture go from not being self-sufficient, not being able to sustain mm. themselves very well, being very behind the time and looking at the, you know, super high levels of poverty to coming back and it's still super high levels of poverty, but it's, they, they found ways to grow and develop and be able to do things as they've found more freedoms and abilities. And as I started to see that and experience that, it wasn't all that long after that deployment that we started the fourth chapter of Hua Inc. Uh, and began to give back to veterans in the local community mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, as I'm sure you've experienced the veteran suicide thing yeah. pretty personally. Uh, became a huge focus of mine because guys came back from those deployments with, you know, we were there on the first one in 2005. So that was like tons of IEDs. So it wasn't just dealing with the PTSD, but the TBI and things of that mm -hmm. nature that, that people don't see, can't see. Uh, and so I noticed that there was a, and it wasn't just me, there was a, a couple of us that noticed that there was a lack in what the government was currently doing to help these guys. And so we were like, Hey, even if it's just sitting down with the guy and, yeah. and you know, bullshitting about the war or whatever, like we need to do that. And so that was kind of where we, where we began the approach to, to helping others, but it's really mm -hmm. because of, you know, or it has a lot to do with what I saw between the first deployment and my second deployment. My first deployment was, you know, constant action. And my second deployment, there's not a single person in my entire unit that saw a single round. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's drastically different. Yeah, drastically different experiences, but the two of them coming together is kind of what built the foundation, mm. uh, as well as you know some of the things hitting home like the veteran suicide. Yeah. 
Yeah. What? So that so that's a really interesting contrast between the deployments and. I've been on similar deployments, you know, one where I was kind of sitting in the nest and, and some where I've kind of out buzzing around. But what I just want people to take away from this, what I hit on a lot in my solo podcast, when I say, and if you know what I say, I say, you got to get out, like you can listen to all this, all these crazy things, but if you don't get out there and actually do something about it, then it ultimately doesn't mean anything in, in my humble opinion. So the, the, what I love about your story already is that you experience these things. You had these drastically different deployments. You had things that affected you in your life, things that you cared about in your life, but you did something about it and you were able to get involved in the community back home. And that's just what something I want somebody, somebody to capture from this podcast already is to actually go out there and take action. I, I love that, man. Yes. And as soon as you start taking action, it just kind of builds on itself. Right. Yeah. So like the, the first person you help the, one of the things that they, you know, the majority of people that I've, that I've been personally able to affect, not just through the organization and things like that, but where I've been personally there to affect one of the questions that I get, I would say 90% of the time after is how do I thank you? And, and the thing that I always say is like, pay it forward. Yeah. Like now you've got the first step. So now like pay it forward and they do that. And time and time again, and it just kind of like builds this massive momentum. Yeah, man. And it's the most rewarding thing about it all is yeah. is that exact fact. And when you see it, and you see these people do exactly what you just said, they begin to take action. Yeah. So it's just oftentimes it's just giving them that that little nudge, and then they'll do the rest on their own. I love that. And sometimes it is just that. It is just a little nudge. Like you don't have to do some like crazy massive movement that's going to involve your whole life. And it's just, it can be the smallest things. And sometimes people just need that small thing to just kick them off. And I love that you said that it essentially catches fire, right? So one of the reasons, again, adding on to that elevator pitch that I do the podcast is because I want to encourage the conversation, right? So we're having a conversation right now. I want to encourage the conversation. I want somebody to listen to this and like combine all these things that we're already talking about, like go out there, make some moves, make things happen, but have a conversation with somebody like veteran suicide. If you know somebody is thinking those thoughts are down on themselves, have a conversation with them, spark the conversation, do something about it. And it doesn't have to be big. So, I mean, we're seven minutes into this already and I'm just like three actionable items that you can already take into your life. And I, I love that you're doing that. And you just got back five or six weeks ago. So uh, good on you, man. It's, it's been, Oh, what it's 2020 already. So yeah, it's been at least five years since I've been over there. So speaking about gap deployments, I mean, I'm sure it's already changed drastically over there and uh, you know, it's, it's a continuous ev evolution. I want to take it a step further though, or a step backwards. And I want to talk about like young will. I want to talk about like, you, before you got into the military, why did you join the Army National Guard and how did you begin this mindset evolution of to who you are now? Yeah, so when I, when I joined the Guard, I really didn't know what I wanted in life. Uh, I, was, I came from a middle-class family, uh, so life wasn't hard growing up. Went to a, a good high school, things like that. And uh, I knew that I, I knew I needed to continue my education, but I wasn't sure, you know, college was for me or wasn't for me. Yeah. I was like, I can have the best of both worlds kind of if I do the guard route so I can, you know, serve my country and, and build the job skills there and, and get that experience. And then I'll also, you know, I'm able to go to college at the same time. And if it's not for me, I've got, you know, the potential to go to active duty or, or get a job or all these things, but I've, I've got some foundation in, in both places and I don't have to be you know, out the money if I choose that college isn't for me and I take a year of college yeah. and, the, and then I'm up. 
So that was kind of like a lot of the driving force. It was shortly after 2001. So that September 11th played a huge effect in, in my wanting to serve. Sure. Uh, but I just at the, at the time ready to commit to full active duty or to just college. Uh, so that was kind of why I, why I picked the National Guard. It allowed me to stay at home, kind of figure out what I wanted in life. And it really wasn't until like four years later, five years later, uh, after my first deployment, that I realized like, hey, I want to do the Army. Let me, and I, I was fortunate enough to get an active Guard Reserve job. But like that stuff all kind of, my life significantly changed well in the service, much mm-hmm. more than it did as I was trying to pick what I wanted to do in life. I was, I was very young and dumb and, and didn't really know, uh, didn't really know what was going on. I think that that happens all the time because, Me too. you know, as, as we come through school, you don't get the experiences to know what you truly want to do. And I mean, I've been watching you just crushing these books, a, a book a week. And trying so to. I, I, <laughs> it's hard, man. <laughs> I did, I did, uh, just over 20 books on, on deployment. And that was my goal is to break 20. Awesome. And, watching you do a book a week is just, it's super impressive. But I learned through a lot of the books that I've read that like our education system, we're we're missing things to be able to better prepare us for what we actually will enjoy doing Mm -hmm. in the future and and being happy. Yeah. That that final point's really nice uh, to mention. I, I do like talking about education on here. I don't talk about it a lot because a lot of other, I mean, there's just so much to talk about in the time that we have. But I do believe, and it, and it does come up, and when it does come up, I try not to get too fired up about it, but I just, I get so upset and I get it's so impassioned about it because I didn't hit this, like, you know, I was asking about yourself growing up. Why did you join? How did you start feeling like this? And I didn't really have those feelings until a couple of years after I joined the military. And then I worked in Naval Special Warfare for about four years and just being in those positions that's like, I was not till like 25 that I really started having this mental evolution. And then I think back and I'm like, damn it. Like, I love to learn. That sucks because I hated school and school was my entire life up until now. And I feel like I wasted, you know, all these years in my life. And now I'm obsessed with learning. And I appreciate your kindness on the book challenge because yeah, it, it is super hard, but I love it. And I'm just like, damn it. If I would have just had that tiny little nudge that we were talking about, you know, and it's not, it's not up to everybody else, you know, like you have to take some responsibility for it. And I am now, but you're right. As, you're right. <laughs> like you just right. You know, I, I agree. My mental evolution wasn't until I was about 27 years old. Okay. I went on to do a bunch of army who schools, went to ranger school, yeah. like all the stuff that the army would allow me to do from the national guard. But it wasn't until I hit that mental evolution where I was like, I like to learn. And yeah. so like, it's obsessive. I finished my- yeah. Yeah, finished my college degree well in Afghanistan on this deployment. Good for you. So like 17 years later, I finally finished the degree that I was half the reason why I joined the Guard. <laughs> uh, but it was just not realizing that I, I enjoyed learning because I was learning things that I didn't enjoy learning about. Yeah, but I think one of the good points from that is that um, you just went out there and you, you created experiences for yourself. So I agree. I also didn't know. I had no clue what I wanted to do. I worked in a pizza place. I refereed soccer games. I was a waiter. I was a bus boy. I was like, did all of these things, had no clue what I wanted to do. My dad suggested the Navy. I joined the Navy, still thought it was the worst decision I ever made at the time. But then I slowly started to mature and understand who I was and and understand what that path may entail. But even at the beginning for, I mean, years we're talking I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I think what's great about your story and the, and the little bit that I'm sharing about myself is that 
you don't have to know, but by going out there and just, you know, joining in our case uh, or creating the experience in, in somebody else's case, if, if you're a civilian, going out there, creating experiences and finding out, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what like, what you like, you know, it's not this linear path, of course. And that's something that you've definitely done. So no, I don't think you have to know, man. And I did want to say before I forget, you did mention in the, in the last blip that uh, you said somebody asked you like, you know, how do I repay you? And I wanted to say like, man, I could not agree with you more going on the, the tail end of talking about helping people is like, dude, just pay it forward. So I love that. So I just wanted to recapture that and push that out for everybody to hear. Like definitely just tell people to pay it forward. And that, that's exactly everything we're talking about here. So that's interesting. Um, it's, it's really similar to, to the way that my life in the military went. So I think it's cool that you did share that. And obviously like the, the organizations that you're a part of and the people that you're helping, I mean, you're helping thousands of people. It's not just like a simple nudge really anymore. I mean, like you're, you're, you're in a huge, uh, organization making a really big impact. And I think that's incredible. So I would love to hear to more, more about that. Like, how did you, you came back from your deployments and how, how does one start in an organization like that? How do you get involved? Yeah. So now it's, now it's super easy to get involved. The organization is, is evolved and now there's processes and, and things of that nature. So, you know, if any, if anybody's interested, it's uh HUA H O O A H uh, Inc. And then okay. uh, the website for that is HUA Inc.org. Uh, or you can just Google it. And the, the big program that we've got is the victory for 22, uh, which is yeah. another website that'll get you there as well. And that's victory for 22.org. Cool. Um, but the how I got involved in that process was my my buddy Nick Reese. Uh, he had served years like five years in Ranger Regiment uh, in First Battalion, and uh, he called me one day and we were talking about uh, putting together a race and we wanted to give all the money to a charity, but we couldn't find a charity that that met our values and that was a charity that has no paid employees, gives a hundred percent that they that they raise back to the veterans, you know, with the uh, exception of like the website and other operating expenses. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. So, uh, it was like 90 some percent was getting back to the veterans. We were like, yeah, we want to give them the money. So we called up the national president and we were like, Hey, we're going to put this event on for you and we're, and we're going to give you the money, but we want it to stay in Wisconsin veterans. Uh. We do that. And he was like, I can't guarantee that we don't have a chapter in Wisconsin. So for me to guarantee that is a very, very tough thing. He's like, I'll do my best, but why don't you guys think about starting a chapter? Love it. That was- <laughs> so we thought about it for a little while and it eventually kicked off. Uh, and we, we built uh fourth of Wisconsin, which was started back in 2013. Uh, we held the event, which was a 22 mile veteran suicide awareness March uh, because the VA's latest statistic was that 22 vets uh, take their lives every day. So now that number's 20. So the walk is currently 20 miles, Awesome. Uh, but it's from the first year it raised $11,000 and had like 70 walkers to this year. It had just shy of a thousand walkers and raised over $125,000. Yeah, so that money now for the state chapter state of Wisconsin goes to a chunk goes to the Victory for 22 program, uh, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But then we do a bunch of programs inside the state. And those programs are like we take veterans skydiving. We take them and get their scuba diving license. And after they graduate their scuba diving license, they get uh, masks, snorkel, fins, and things oh, wow. like that. Uh, we put furnaces in veterans' homes in the winter, being that we're a Wisconsin uh, big <laughs> chapter. So, you know, a typical furnace in a home is $5,000 plus. So wow. last year, I think we did nine, eight or nine veterans last year. So you're talking huge impact uh, mm-hmm. across the community. Uh, and then 
like I said, the, the big thing that we do now as a national organization is this Victory for 22, uh, which started back when the number was 22 veterans a day that take their lives. And it's a, a retreat down in Tampa, Florida. It's arguably the top PTSD uh, clinic in the country. Uh, and the veterans go down there. They, they, it's all expenses paid. We fly them down there. Usually, uh, Bob, who's the national president, he's usually able to get them on a flight like within a week. Wow. It's an, it's really impressive. The, in the last year, he did just under a hundred veterans across the country. We sent down there, paid their travel, all their lodging, food, uh, and for them to go through the retreat program. And there is not a veteran that has come out of there that isn't changed. They're the most rewarding calls that I've ever had in my life are veterans that I worked with to get them there. Uh, and I worked with oftentimes it's their, their wives or significant others or parents or something like that. That gives me that call. We get them to agree to go down there. They go down there. And two days after they get home, that significant other calls and they're like, my life has changed. Like my husband or, or wife is a completely different human being. Yeah. They're so happy. This is the person I met and married you know, before they ever joined the military or yeah. did this or that. And I'm just like, this this mm -hmm. program, like, it is so impactful and so life-changing that when I look at, like, some of the things that I've done in my life, like, like breaking the world record doesn't hold a candle yeah. to get a call from a wife who's like, my husband is going to live because of you. Like, he isn't going to kill himself because of you. It's beautiful. It, I think it is. It, yeah. Yeah. The same wives call me like once a month just to be like, I, I can't, I still can't thank you enough. And it's been <laughs> years now and I get the same calls or emails from, that's from the crazy. same people. That's, that's what I'm talking about, man. Like, so it goes all the way from the little nudge to like doing, making a big impact like this, but it starts with the little nudge. And I purposely named the podcast, create your career because you went out there and you created that chapter. Like you go out there and if it's, if it doesn't exist, create it. Like, you can make it happen. And then now you're having this massive impact on not just these little nudges, but you're literally changing the trajectory of people's families. Like it's not even one person. So there is um, a whole spectrum of helping people. So you just don't be overwhelmed, go out there and like do it. And that's what I love it that you went out there, you created the chapter. And I think that's incredible that you're doing it in a place that means a lot to you, your home. So that is I mean, I really, really like it. And it's not to like discount your hundred mile rock, man. Like that's, that's bonkers. And, and that, um, was a Guinness world record, like you said, and you mentioned in your intro, but I want to know a little bit more about that as well. Like how did that even come about? I, I'm just baffled. Yeah. So that was that the charity brought that about, honestly. And that figure, was, yeah. <laughs> you need a good reason for that. <laughs> yeah. In order to raise money, and honestly, like I don't believe that I could have been as successful with it had I not have had a bigger purpose to do it. Yeah, if I was doing it for myself. Like, is it's just not going to have the same effect, and I'm not going to do as well. But when there is a you know community behind me and yeah. expecting me to achieve this, you, you get a lot more momentum. So it kind of started with like every time you go back to the same well, there's only so much water in the well, right? And if you look at it like money for people to donate to an organization. Every time I would go back to the same well, uh, I can't just ask for money every every Monday, but you have to have a new reason for people to believe in you and donate to you. So it started with, you know, hey, I'm going to do a marathon with just a, a ruck, which I mean, you've done probably dozens of them. Uh, as I know, I've done them, you know, 
I can't even count the number of times. So I was like, oh, I can just do the Cellcom marathon with a pack on. I'll throw 35 pounds in it and, and we'll go. And so I did that as a fundraiser. And then that raised a couple thousand dollars. So I was like, all right, this, this works. Because all these people had donated to me in the past for other things. So I needed to up it. So the next thing I did was I was like, all right, I'm going to do the Madison Ironman. But instead of for the marathon, I'm going to put 35 to 40 pound pack on my back and I'm going to, you know, big American flag. It was on September 11th of, I think, 2017, 2016. Um, so anyway, so I put the pack on and did the, I raised a bunch of money for that, uh, just over 10 grand to do an Ironman and then carry a rucksack at the end, which was, it was arguably as painful. It actually took me longer than the world record. Wow. Uh, you're just that marathon part. I was, I was super broke. It was way harder than I expected it to be. But <laughs> I, I mean, you- yeah, that, that, I mean, we do it. So we do a, a, a 31 mile rock for 31 heroes for extortion one seven on August 6, 2011. So that is a rock that takes about, it does, we do it 12 hours cause we stop every few miles to read biographies of all the lives lost and, you know, have our discussions and talk and do all of that. But that's with a rucksack. It's not hundred pounds. It's like, mine is probably 25 pounds, you know, um, yeah. cause we carry bricks in there, but damn it, man, it's really hard. And I just, I just can't wrap my head around that, but it's obviously something you don't just go out and do. But I think what we can take from that story already is that you have to have a, you said you have to have a reason behind it. Like if I was just to go out there and be like, Oh, let me ruck 31 miles with a backpack and some bricks. And like, I would be like, this sucks after like two miles, you know? because it does suck after two miles already, you know? But if, if you go out there and you have that reason and you're thinking like, why the hell do I have these bricks in here? Okay, I have two bricks in my backpack. One brick is for the lives lost and one brick is for the burden that the families carry every single day of their lives. Oh shit, I'm carrying that? I can't, I can't, there's no way, there's no way you're not doing it. You know what I'm saying? So when you're doing it for a bigger reason, you're gonna do it and it's gonna suck. It's not really gonna make it easier. You're just, you're not gonna quit. So I think that's a great reason, man. And that's, and that's what like, that was more important for the, so it was super important for getting me through the Ironman, but I didn't train to ruck the end of the Ironman. It was kind of a late ad that I came up with like a month and a half out. And so I got a little bit of training in on it, but nothing to prepare me for it. So I knew going into the marathon world record, which that idea came up 18 months before actual execution day was I need to train for this if I'm going to advertise and raise money and like be prepared to break it. So my plan was to, so the idea came about in like November of 16 and it wasn't broken until May of 2018. Yeah. Wow. So after I had come up with the idea, I was like, I'm going to break it this May 2017 too easy. And it got to like April and I was like, I'm not even close. Like I haven't even made it to the 12 mile marker at, world record pace oh wow and a week after i came up with that conclusion somebody had broken the existing record and dropped the pace by like 40 minutes Ooh. over all time so i was like oh i'm not even i'm not anywhere close close to this so then it was a whole nother 12 months of of training and and the key was you know having that that um body behind me all of the people believing in me and you know, supporting me and donating to the cause. That was why I kept getting up. And in Wisconsin, like you got to train through the winter months. It's cold. It's miserable. And there would be days where I'd have to go out and like, today's a 22 mile run or a 
15 mile rock with 110 pounds or whatever I was choosing that day. And it, and it might be 10 degrees out. Yeah. And Damn. You, you have <laughs> You have to have that, you know, support behind yeah. you and doing it for something that's far bigger than yourself, or you don't have a chance of achieving, you know, things that are that hard. Yeah. Community is powerful. Community is very powerful. I couldn't do half the things I do by myself if, without community. That's my family. That's my close friends. That's those people. That's the community, the people that help me like that. I mean, there's just no way like emotionally I couldn't do it strategically. I couldn't do it. And yeah, you're right. Like you are the one going out there and doing it. But as we know, when you're doing something that insanely hard physically, it's it's physical. Sure. But the, the mental aspect is overwhelming when it comes to it. And it's just definitely a no brainer that you have to have your mind right and your mind right. Your mind can be right by the community that supports you. So I'm curious, um, based on based on what you just described here, based on all of the crazy things that you've done, I wanna, I wanna know like, what are some crazy things and behaviors, great behaviors that you learned or lessons that you learned from doing these things? Like you could even just use one of the examples, like on the ruck, I learned like this, you know, like, or was there anything at all? So the, the biggest thing I've learned through all of this stuff and through my work in the charity and, and with my, you know, trials to become a better leader constantly for my men is consistency. Sure. Like if I am consistent with everything that I, you know, put my mind to, like I will always succeed. So, you know, like take yourself, for example, right now doing the, the 52 week, 52 book challenge, like when I had the goal of 20 books, it was like, I have to be consistent. I have to read every single day, you know? And, and my thing was like, I wanted it to be leadership books so that I could constantly mm -hmm. be improving my leadership techniques for my guys on our deployment because deployments are long. Yeah. And so I wanted to, you know, have an open mind and find new ways to be better. And that was just one of the, one of the ways that I did it. But I think that you know, for anybody like consistency is, is the key. So if you want to, yeah. you know, start getting out of bed earlier, you got to just be consistent with it. You got to do it every day. Even if you have no reason to get up that morning, like it could be your off day from working out or whatever, you still have to be consistent. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. It's all those little things add up. Yeah, if you I do agree. the little constantly every day, like you, you will succeed. And that's the thing that I learned the most when I was preparing for the world record was like, I have to get out here every single day, no matter how miserable it is. And there, there's plenty of days where I like said I quit and took the pack off early and then came back out in the afternoon and finished my miles because I was yeah, like, you know, no. man. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you like break that chain, it's game over. Like, I mean, you can get back into it, like you said, but it makes it drastically harder when you break the chain. Like I'm just thinking about like waking up, like, if you just don't get up one day and you sleep in a lot, it's going to be really, it's going to be that much harder the next time. And they're like, so it's the same thing with even like my book challenge, which is all mental. I know that if I don't read a little bit every day that come Friday, Saturday or Sunday, when I'm finishing up my book, like I'm literally going to have to sit there for six hours because I've had to, I've had to do it. Like I've had to do that. And it sucks. <laughs> like I broke the chain and there has been weekends where like I had to sit there for like that, like hours and hours and hours. Cause like I have to get it done. And I know that to be so true. And I was like, if I could do this reading, like think about how impactful it is for literally everything else in my life. And like, it is the epitome of like putting something off now is inevitably going to make it worse for me later. So uh, it's teaching me a, a lot of lessons. So 
that's what I love about the consistency. And, and again, like it can be the small things and you're absolutely right about that. So man, I, I've really, really enjoyed our conversation today. I know inevitably there's a lot of things that I still would want to talk about. It's been really enjoyable, really fun, man. Um, but damn it, before we get out of here, how can people contact you, uh, whether it be websites or whatever have you? Yeah. So the, the easiest way is, uh, probably through any of the, any of the HUA platforms. Uh, so that's huainc.org. Uh, you can find me on there. Uh, victoryfor22.org can get you back there. Uh, otherwise, the name's William Koken. It's that way on all social media platforms, uh, which I'm only on to the Facebook and Instagram, but uh, you can definitely hit me up on there, reach out. Always always available to help. So if you ever, if you, anybody ever needs anything that I can help with, just reach out. That's what I'm here for. Hell yeah, man. I love that. And I know those words are true. Definitely reach out. Like you should reach out. Like on the inverse side, like don't like, yeah, help people, but help yourself too. You know, like don't be afraid to, to ask. It's, it's definitely not a sign of weakness. And there are people just like, I'm trying at the bit to help people like I, I, I love that like I love it you know and it helps me too so you guys will be able to find those websites in the show notes regardless on whatever you are on so I highly encourage you to check it out all right well like I said man I really appreciate it and have a great rest of your night see you later you too man take care